0: What truth's in that song? Great I Am still is. If you brought your Bibles, hope you brought your Bibles. Sometimes we may have a little technical difficulty. Always bring your Bibles. Zachariah. Now it is in the Bible. Old Testament, right toward the end, pretty close to Malachi. Zechariah chapter 14 we want to look at that in just a few minutes and then we'll look at Luke chapter 2 and so if you will find Zechariah and we'll look at chapter 14 while you're turning to Zechariah let me mention in your bulletin today you received an insert this begins the week of prayer for foreign missions with our Lottie Moon Christmas offering emphasis And so, you'll have a prayer guide. The theme this year, now you probably saw some video clips. I think Ty had some before in the countdown calendar. He had a video clip. But the theme this year is totally his. Heart, hands, and voice. So this is the week of prayer for our international missionaries. When you open this... You'll find day one, day two, day three. You'll have a missionary to pray for and their needs to pray for. And then you'll go through day eight. And then we'll come together soon and we'll have our march to the manger. It's printed there in your bulletin, the dates. And we will give our offering, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You'll have envelopes to use on that day. And you'll have, uh, we'll give toward the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, I believe our goal is $3,000 this year, and so that is part of a uh, a nationwide goal. Uh, I believe it's $175 million. is that right, Brother Larry? Something, I believe that. Brother Larry Dover and Janice, his wife Janice, our Director of Missions here today, and I appreciate the work they do in our association, but uh, this is... A week of prayer for our international missions. And then we'll give our Lottie Moon, a great missionary, famous missionary to China. This offering was named after her uh, being the missionary and being the a, a person that was willing to sacrifice so much that the people in China might come to know Christ and would hear the gospel. And this offering is named in her memory. And so if you would, please be praying and what the Lord would have you and your family to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We'll have our March to the Manger uh, on December the 22nd. And so please keep that in mind. I wanted to remind you of your prayer guide. This morning with our Advent candle and first Sunday of Advent, I wanted us to think about... uh, The second coming. The second coming. And I really didn't know how to get into the second coming unless we first talked about the first coming and the in-between and then the second coming. And so in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, is a prophecy about the second coming of Christ. I want us to look at this, and then we'll look at a familiar passage in Luke chapter 2 about his first coming. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, is speaking of his second coming, which is yet to take place. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. On the east and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley and half of the mountain shall be removed toward the north and half of it toward the south. Now early this morning or earlier than the service we came together in a celebration and lighting the Advent candle. Now the season of Advent comes four weeks prior to Christmas Eve. The word Advent... Means coming. So Advent is a Christian celebration to celebrate the first coming of Christ from heaven to earth. And we also look with great joy and anticipation to the second coming of Christ from heaven to earth. Prophesied in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4. Now before we talk about the second coming, let me remind you that it is a prophetic and historical fact that Jesus Christ came to earth. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2 that during the time of Caesar Augustus that Joseph and Mary left Galilee, went into Bethlehem, Judea, and gave birth to her firstborn son. Chapter 2, verse 9 says, And the angels proclaim to a group of shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So throughout the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and ending in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, God's people looked with excitement and anticipation of the first coming of our Lord, the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And ladies and gentlemen, that prophecy was fulfilled over 2,013 years ago. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word... Was with God. And the word was God. John 1 verse 14 says. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among men. So in the fullness of time. According to God's word. God sent his son into the world. In the flesh. Born of a virgin. In Bethlehem. So first, it is a a prophesied historical fact that Jesus came to earth in the flesh. I jotted down number two, if you're taking notes, that it's a prophesied and historical fact that Jesus left the earth. So he came down to the earth, and so at a certain time, Jesus leaves the earth. Now Jesus came down to earth, John 1 and 1, and then verse 14, Jesus came down to earth, but Jesus did not leave heaven to come to earth just to go on a vacation, just to get away from heaven for a while. You know, at times we get tired and we get weary and we want to take a vacation. We want a period of rest. We, we want just a, a, a time of rest. However, Jesus, the Bible says, never tires nor slumbers. Sometimes we take a vacation just to see new sights and to go to places we've never been before. But Jesus, the Bible tells us, created everything that's been created. And He's the omnipresent God in spirit. So Jesus did not leave heaven and come to earth to take a vacation. But he left heaven and he came to earth in the flesh for a mission. That mission is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so the Bible teaches that man is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And man is lost and separated from God. Jesus said, and God said, your sins have separated you from me. And man is destined for hell. For the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And man cannot save himself. The Bible says that man's righteousness are as filthy rags and so you'll never be good enough to be saved and man cannot even work himself into heaven for the Bible says for by grace are you saved through faith it's not of yourselves it's a gift of God not of works least anyone should boast And so Christ came on a mission and he went to Calvary. And he died on a cross in your place and my place for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the whole world. The Bible says that he became sin, who knew no sin, that he suffered for your sins and for my sins. In order that your sins, my sins, our sins could be forgiven. A vacation? No. A mission. He was put in a borrowed tomb after he was crucified and died on that cross. But on the third day, I guess Robert Lowry in 1899 summed it up this way. Low in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus, my Lord. But up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever, now notice, with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. And so first, it's prophetic and historical fact that Jesus Christ came to earth in the flesh. It's a prophetic and, and historical fact that he came on a mission. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He arose again from the, the dead, the third day. And Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two, verse six, listen to what God's word says. It says this, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, One to another, Behold, are not all these Galileans. And how we hear from every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. If, you'll, if you will look at uh, chapter 2. And you'll find that, that as, as Christ began to... Chapter 1, I'm sorry. Chapter 1, verse 9. When He had spoken these things while they were beheld, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. Acts 1, verse 10. And while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, Why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And so we know Jesus died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, but he ascended back into heaven. Then third, it's a prophetic fact and soon to be a historical fact. And I say this with all confidence. In other words, I would stake my life on it because what the bible says one day jesus soon one day jesus is coming for his church now we call this the rapture first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 through 18 is when christ comes for the church now about three weeks ago while i was absent dr gene balding did a fantastic job dealing with the rapture now Please listen, because the next thing on God's prophetic calendar is not the second coming of Jesus Christ, but it's the snatching away, it's the rapture of the church. Those that belong uniquely unto Him. The calling up, the snatching away of the dead believers and those who are alive will be taken with Christ into heaven. And those who reject Christ would be left behind. And I say that in love, but also in a very desperate warning. Because that is the next thing that will take place on God's prophetic calendar. And then number four, I jotted this down. The great tribulation is a prophetic event That one day will be fulfilled. Now as a side note. And I don't have time to go into tribulation. After the rapture. There will be a seven year tribulation period. We refer to it also as the great tribulation. And you really don't want to be here during that period of time. But number five. After that tribulation, you have the second coming of Jesus. You have the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4. It's a prophetic and one day for sure coming event. That Jesus Christ, one day, we don't know exactly when, will come to earth. And he will set his feet down upon the Mount of Olives. The Bible says, according to Zechariah, that that mountain will divide, east and west. Great valley will be formed in the middle. And Christ will walk from the Mount of Olives to the eastern gate, through the eastern gate. And there, when he goes through the eastern gate, he will come to a new temple, a millennial temple. And he'll reign for 1,000 years. That is the second advent. So we have the first advent where he came in the flesh. He came for a mission. To die on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He arose. He ascended into heaven. One day, he's coming back for his church. He'll call those who are dead in Christ, those who are alive in Christ, up to be with him forever in that place called heaven. And then, on another occasion, after the tribulation period, after we go up and there's this seven-year tribulation period, after that time, he'll come back with the saints to the Mount of Olives, through the Eastern Gate, to the Millennial Temple, and there he'll reign for a thousand years. That's his second coming. Now, the Old Testament prophesies and looks forward to it. The New Testament prophesizes And looks forward to it. And the church today even lights a candle. And with joy and anticipation. Looks forward to the second coming of our Lord. You know Isaac, Isaac Watts wrote a song in the early 18th century. It's usually sung at Christmas. And many think that it's referring to the first advent of Jesus, but really the hymn shows us that Watt's had the millennial reign in mind. Notice, if you will, the words of this song. We've sung it a lot. It's "Joy to the world." Got those words? Look at those just for a moment. "Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her." king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing notice this now joy to the earth the savior what the savior reigns let men their songs employ while fields and floods rocks hills and plains Repeat the sound in joy, repeat the sound in joy, repeat the sound in joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns invest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. For as the curse is found, for as the curse is found, for as, for as the curse is found. He rules the world second coming with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love. First coming in the flesh second coming one day to reign and rule over all the world, over all nations. The second coming. Now let me ask you a question. Are you ready for the next thing that's going to happen on God's prophetic calendar? Has your name been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? You can go back for centuries and centuries, and you can take God's Word, and you can look up all the prophecies in regards to jesus and and about his birth and about his mission you can look up all of those and you can see how each one of those have been fulfilled in the life of jesus christ and the next thing that's on god's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church the snatching away of the church and if you're a believer you'll be called up to be with christ those that belong uniquely to him, the church. If not, you will remain here. Go through that awful period of time known as the Great Tribulation. And then at the end of the Great Tribulation, Christ returns to rule triumphantly over the earth and over all nations. Have you given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ? If you haven't, you can do that today. And put all of that to rest and wait for his calling up of the church. Spire heads for prayer.